God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. Keep God's word on your lips. Meditate on it day and night. Be careful to do what it says. Then you will truly be successful. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. If you're happy that it's day 31, then I want you to clap your hands. Be careful to do what it says. Ecclesiastes, the first chapter, the first verse through the 18th verse. The words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. What do people gain from all their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets and hurries back to where it rises. The wind blows to the south and turns to the north, round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place the streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything of which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here already long ago. It was here before our time. No one remembers the former generations and even those yet to come will not be remembered by those who follow them. I the teacher was king over Israel in Jerusalem. I applied my mind to study and to explore my wisdom. All that is done under the heavens. What a heavy burden God has laid on mankind. I have seen all the things that are done under the sun. All of them are meaningless. A chasing after the wind. What is crooked cannot be straightened. What is lacking cannot be counted. I said to myself, look. I have increased in wisdom more than anyone who has ruled over Jerusalem before me. I have experienced much of wisdom and knowledge. Then I applied myself to the understanding of wisdom and also of madness and folly. But I learned that this, too, is a chasing after the wind. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. The more knowledgeable, the more grief. Wow. For with much wisdom comes much sorrow. Mm, I got a book idea, y'all. The side effects of wisdom. The more knowledge, the more grief. That ends our reading for today. And our worship thought, day 31, is don't worship your life. As I read Ecclesiastes and as I learned from various commentaries about the goal of the book itself, I found it a little difficult to find a glaring worship principle. Nothing screamed worship at first glance. 
All I kept seeing was the word meaningless, meaningless, meaningless as it pertained to life. When I read Ecclesiastes and other translations, I saw different words, but the core takeaway was that life was meaningless. To be quite honest, I felt bad for the author of Ecclesiastes. It sounded like to me he needed a good visit to a therapist's office and maybe some medication here and there. Look, I believe in a good pill every once in a while, especially when your outlook on life seems pessimistic all the time. If you skim just a chapter or two of Ecclesiastes, you'll see what I mean. The moment it seems the teacher is going to say something exciting, he dives headfirst into the waters of grief, pain and cynicism. Then it hit me. Hmm. The primary message Ecclesiastes gives the worshiper is this. Don't worship your life because life on the whole is meaningless. Ecclesiastes was written 1000 years before Jesus was born. It was written before Greek philosophers like Socrates, Plato and Aristotle came to the table. Ecclesiastes is still housed in the Bible as wisdom literature. So its purpose is to help us gain wisdom about life. So to review, the Old Testament wisdom literature includes Job, which studies the problem of evil and human suffering. Songs of Songs, which discusses the beauty of love and pleasure. Proverbs, which teaches us how to worship God with everything from our finances to our friends and family. And then we have Ecclesiastes, which explores the meaning of our meaningless life. How's that for a paradox? If you read Ecclesiastes from cover to cover, you will notice that the writer rambles a lot. Do you know any ramblers? It seems like they say the same thing five different ways and it takes them 50 minutes to get it done after repeating and asking if you understood it. Sometimes that's what Ecclesiastes feels like. It seems like the lesson is a maze. It's really difficult at times to keep up. And sometimes the verse is a sermon all by itself. How powerful, for example, are these tweetable words by themselves? Look at Ecclesiastes 1 and 8. The eye never has enough of seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Translation, there will always be another Netflix series to distract you for weeks as you binge to complete it. Translation, there will always be a newer iPhone, a nicer car, a bigger house and a more attractive lover. Translation, the eye never has enough of seeing. The more you see, the more you will want to see. The more you want, the more you will want to want. And what we see, even through the writing of Ecclesiastes, is that life is not one plus one equals two. Life is not black or white. Sometimes it's full and filled with gray. The entire book is narrated by a man referred to as the teacher. Most Bible scholars agree it is Solomon, and I think we all can see that, especially given the description that we just read today. And Solomon at this particular juncture is writing about his life. And one author put it this way. I think he's spot on. Solomon 
says this writer, took the old adage, don't knock it till you try it to the absurd by throwing himself into everything life had to offer with reckless abandon, serving as his own subject in the lab of life. So if Bill Gates, Stephen Hawking and Hugh Hefner somehow morphed into one man who was also simultaneously the pope and the president, that person might be named Solomon. Solomon's story is the story of a prodigal son. He, after all, was born into affluence because of his father, David. But Solomon departed from God to indulge in his own pointless passions. The fact that he wrote Ecclesiastes indicates that Solomon recognized the folly of his ways. Solomon returned to the Lord. And now Solomon is writing an honest autobiography about the empty and shallow life he discovered apart from God. Solomon teaches the worshiper not to worship our lives. After having it all and doing it all, Solomon realized that nothing compares to a life simply lived in obedience to God. By the time the teacher sits down to pen the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon is bored and burned out. Solomon sums up his great life experiment with one word that appears 38 times in the 12 chapters of Ecclesiastes. That word is translated meaningless. And in the Hebrew, it is Hevel or Hebel. The NIV uses meaningless. The KJV and the NRSV each use vanity. And the Jewish study Bible uses utter futility. Elsewhere in the scriptures, Hevel refers to a vapor that is wispy, fleeting, elusive, and quickly passing. This reveals that life must be pursued with great urgency because the days between birth and death pass like the mist of a breath on a cold morning. If we layer the various translations, it makes sense then that our fleeting life is complex. So a complex word best describes it. And now that I am a little older. I now read Ecclesiastes differently. In fact, out of all the books of the Bible that we've read so far, Ecclesiastes keeps hanging its hat in my head. As a child, I was taught to reach for the stars. I thought I was invincible. I thought I could play hard and grace would get me out of jail for free. But then came Sally Mae. You know, when Sally Mae has turned her name into Naviant, I bind both Sally and Naviant. And I pray that they get the coronavirus. Sally May adds up loans. And then when I look at my life, a seven year marriage, a seven year old daughter, a double hip replacement, a five bedroom house, luxury cars, first class vacations to Hawaii, too many clients to manage on my own, thousands of pages written High highs, low lows, five degrees, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and a stroke at the age of 35. Have I had it all? Absolutely not. But I've had enough to know that the stuff is not enough. I've lived long enough to know what it's like to have a thing that everybody wants and still be depressed. I know what it's like to take antidepressants on a schedule that anticipated, memorized even the side effects. So I would stop taking pills on Friday to make sure no one could tell I was taking them on Sunday morning as I led them into worship. But they did not see me. They saw the gift. They didn't see me. I know the pain of divorce. 
I know the grief of losing an immediate family member. I know the betrayal of being lied on as they smile and take pictures with you. I know the cancer of unforgiveness. I know hatred personally. I know the joy of hearing your baby say daddy for the first time. And now after all of this, all I really want to hear is God say well done. The cars don't matter. The houses don't matter. The degrees don't matter. All I really want is to hear God say, well done. This raw and beautiful truth that Ecclesiastes gives the worshiper is a soft but loud reminder that life is meaningless. Solomon teaches us to make the best of your life, but don't worship your life because at the end of the day, God is greater than life itself. So have the hard conversation. Get on that roller coaster. Look into the eyes of your spouse and tell her you love her. Tell him you love him. Apologize and let it go quickly. Walk away from that computer for a while. Take a long walk around the park. Taste food you've never tasted. Don't text and drive. It can wait. Travel the world and visit a museum. Learn another language, even if you only know how to say hello, goodbye, and where is the bathroom. Listen to an audiobook. Visit a new country at least once a year. Smile until you burst into tears. Kiss with passion. Embrace with intention. Cherish the moments that seem so mundane, like picking your daughter up from school. Don't just sit in the car and let her watch movies. Talk to her and ask her a new question, a different question every single day. Worship hard. Worship loud. Take fewer pictures and make more memories. Remember, God is in control. Don't waste your life worshiping achievements. I promise you the moment you get one achievement, a thousand more will whisper, get me to get me to make sure that after all of this, you can say you lived a life that was full of purpose, full of love, full of joy and full of wisdom. So what is our worship work today? I want you to invest in a microscope or a telescope or maybe visit a place that has one. If this purchase isn't exactly in your budget, then I want you to buy a magnifying glass from the 99 cent store or maybe YouTube. Something I saw the other day, it's called the amazing microscopic world. That's the title. Each of these options will teach you something marvelous. Whenever your purchase comes in or whenever you go to that YouTube page, I want you to turn this into a family project, a family conversation. Look at the smallest object that you can find. Go outside and grab some grass from your backyard or take the family on a trip where you can clearly view the skyline at night or the stars in the sky. Use the telescope or the microscope to teach you something about how God might see us from the panoramic view of heaven. Let your discoveries take you from awe to revelation. And then I want you to journal about it. What did this exercise do for your worship? Include others' perception of this exercise as well. What did it do for them? Remember, y'all, don't put more value in the stuff than the Savior. Life is futile. So make the best of your life, but don't worship your life because at the end of the day, God is greater than life itself. Let's pray. Telescope, microscope, 
Lord of the galaxies. Life is meaningless without you. Only you can satisfy. Only you can change my life. Help me to remember that you are the greatest treasure life can bring. Amen. Chasing a dream, so many things capture my affection. Running ahead, I've been a mess, losing my perspective. This is my obsession, always chasing the wind. Left with nothing in the end It's meaningless without you It's meaningless These treasures I possess Only you, you satisfy And only you sustain my life Without you, it's meaningless. Yeah, it's meaningless. We're feeling you near, it's coming clear. You've got my attention You're filling the void and killing noise Focus my direction With intimate insistence You overwhelm my senses And all I need's before me Treasures of the